Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. And this is episode 140. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host. Later on, I catch up with food writer Anna Glover to find out how to use beer as a clever ingredient in cooking. But first up, travel Rhiannon chats to Alex about her recent trip to Miami. She reveals the best places to eat and drink on glitzy South Beach, as well as other neighbourhoods such as Edgy Wynwood and vibrant Little Havana. Um, so Miami is one of those iconic destinations with a really unrivaled identity, you know, with its Art Deco hotels, its palm trees and beaches, its sun-soaked party atmosphere, and of course its global reputation as a design hub. Um, you know, it's hard not to have fun being there, whatever your reason. And food and drink has always been one of its biggest draws. If you're passing through, though, it can be hard to step back from the beach, I think, and really dive into Miami's various food scenes. There are so many different neighbourhoods to the city, from little Haiti to hip up-and-coming Brickell. Is it Brickell or Brickell? Brickell, I Brickell. think. My American friend says Brickell. So. <laughs> Brickell. Um, chilled Coral Gables, Little Havana, Edgy Winwood, and each of them have their own food cultures. Uh, our digital editor, Alex, here, has just got back from a trip to the city. Alex, where would you recommend starting? Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of, not a lot of neighborhoods. So I, I've been to Miami a few times before, um, with my family stopping over, um, to go to various places. Um, and we always stuck to South beach. Um, but when I knew I was going to write this foodie guide, I have a few local friends and I said, you know, where are the best places to go? And one place that kept coming up was, uh, Winwood, which is a really edgy district and it's a fascinating area to walk around because it's constantly changing because it's um covered in graffiti and murals there's the Winwood walls which are these constantly changing walls I remember seeing pictures of them they're, they're it's amazing really because it's just bringing street art to like the forefront and like making it seem like actual art which a lot of people you know think oh it's just graffiti but actually it's fascinating and what, how they were do you it. saying that that's part of Art Basel as well which happens there every yes yeah, so as part of Art Basel the walls are like painted over like and refreshed each year before so to make sure it's like really <laughs> current so when I went it was in December and it was just before Art Basel so there were so many people out painting and it was <laughs> fascinating to watch actually like they're so clever um and the area is just full of it's it's the more like hipster area and it's full of taco shops and bakeries and little tiki bars um nice. and so two of the best places I discovered were Coyo Taco for Mexican street food, which is really, really lively and quite cheap because Miami is quite expensive, mm. especially with the current exchange rate. <laughs> we won't go into that. Um, and they even have a little secret bar at the back. So you might think that people are going to the toilet and not coming back, but actually they're going to a bar, which um, locals sometimes like to keep to themselves. So definitely uh, check that out. 
And also um, Alter Restaurant kept coming up when I was asking for um, recommendations. And it's really popular with local foodies for their seasonally changing tasting menu. And you start with these little sumac crusted loaves and umami Lovely. butter. Oh, and there's some amazing dishes. And one of the best was actually this beautiful little chicken tart made from a reformed croissant from Zach the Baker. So that oh, was really cute. I loved your photos of Zach the Baker. Um, and he's also in Winwood, I yes, think. Yeah. Um, he looked like a man on a baking mission. Yeah, he is so great. I, I actually went in and he was there when that went in. And he's, it's this beautiful brightly painted bakery and it stands out even in wacky windwards like there's <laughs> all like all colors you can think of um if you look at my uh Inter travel feature i think um you'll see that's in the march issue and he's famous for his sourdough which you can have topped with creamy avocado and chili and feta or they also have really nice reuben sandwiches and they had a amazing looking salmon reuben um and then sweet things as well he also does very very well um so they have these amazing flaky babkas with ripples of like dark chocolate. And that's the best babka I've ever tried. <laughs> it's incredible. And then also on a Friday at noon, every Friday, a Jewish challah bread comes out of the oven. Oh, and I love challah bread. Everyone pre-orders it. So like you definitely should pre-order to get a, sl- <laughs> a slice of that. Um, and it's just a really, really great place to hang out as well and like watch the world go by and meet locals it sounds brilliant um and I love that it's it's how I remembered Miami as being this really multicultural city that um I mean I last went there about 10 years ago but I remember being really struck by how it had really embraced fusion Mm. foods and drinks not just uh I mean from all over the world but um also, especially with the kind of Latin influence. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. obviously, Miami has a huge Cuban population, so that's big. But Peruvian, Venezuelan, Colombian, all those influences were really noticeable. Um, you know, if you want a next level mojito or some Nikkei style ceviche <laughs> and uh, artisan rum cake or even a good old Cuban sandwich, mm-hmm. you don't have to go very far to find it. Um, but if you're after some really traditional Cuban food, presumably Little Havana is the best district to go to. Yes, absolutely. I definitely um, wanted to explore this area uh, more because I love. I went to Cuba and I loved it. And um, it's worth wandering down there because it's Calle Ocho is the main street. And that's like a star-studded pavement paying tribute to the famous Cubans who've like su- successfully pursued the American dream, which is really nice to, mm. to see that. And they're really, you know... Um, putting these guys in the spotlight um but there's also some great food there um and there's a on that street Calle Ocho, there's an ice cream parlor which is famous for its cuban ice cream it's called azuka and um you should get the abuela maria which is amazing it's got vanilla ice cream combined with rich cream cheese and red guava and pieces of sweet galletas maria which are these really sweet um cuban biscuits which i love that sounds delicious (laughs) (laughs) and um another must do of course is the tradition of drinking a cuban cafecito which is um a really syrupy strong coffee that they have in cuba but it's really sweet and syrupy but honestly it's so strong so they have it in these tiny like thimble sized cups and these tiny little paper cups and also they often serve it 
in larger styrofoam cups and then you pour it out into little the little thimble cups on the sidewalk just because it's so strong and that's quite a nice little um ritual and you can get that from el exquisito which is um on cayocho as well so that's a really cute thing to do and you can meet friends as well by sharing out on the street (laughs) (laughs) um and what about miami's classic south beach neighborhood um which is actually on an island just offshore from the mainland, but connected by a bridge. Um, is it really touristy and overpriced or are there still some gems worth seeking out? Or And also if it's expensive, are there some places where it's really worth it to have, you know, a truly great cocktail by side of some snazzy pool (laughs) (laughs) absolutely so yeah there is a lot of foodies to do there beside walking along the promenade and also there's lots of glitzy beach clubs which everyone should go to at least once just because you're in Miami so why not um but if you want to get involved in that glamour I would highly recommend the Delano's Rose Bar so um the Delano is my favorite hotel in the world I think that's a bold claim that is it is just so it's one of the first boutique hotels in the world and that's like where a lot of other boutique hotels have kind of got their style from um and it's a true like a-lister place um so if you if you can go to the rose bar it's in the lobby so you can order an old-fashioned lace with charred star anise that was my favorite and just watch a stream of a-listers <laughs> glide past and i won't i won't name drop but um yeah there's plenty of people to be seen there um, and there's also plenty of institutions that have been going for years on South Beach, like La Sandwichery, where locals skate up for sandwiches. That's got a really cool like party vibe and it's open till like 5am. So you can always go and get your, your sarnies from there. And then Joe Stone Crab. Um, some people say it's overrated. I think it is great for what it is it's famous for the stone crab which is a florida speciality but i think the better place to go is to beat the queues and go to the casual takeout around the corner and it's just a good tip yeah it's just a bit more chilled and you can be in and out and just try so you've tried it and it is delicious so it's worth going to and then obviously there's news cafe which is very touristy but and it's grown more and more touristy over the years but it's worth it just to go and soak up the atmosphere and people watch because there's some really great people watching in Miami as you can imagine <laughs> I seem to remember the people kind of rollerblading yes, everywhere yeah. and you know that is very true. that's a cliche bronzed, yeah um and what about newer hipper more casual dining there's a new timeout food hall opening in South Beach mm-hmm. in March that must be big news for the area yeah so there are actually quite a few food halls in Miami that have opened up recently there's one which is dedicated to um Asian stores and food which is called 1-800-LUCKY, <laughs> and that's in Winwood. And then there's St. Rock, Rock in the design district, which is dedicated to vendors like who don't have restaurants, so they're really getting, you know, their space. That sounds exciting. Um, and but then back on South Beach, uh, where Broken Shaker, that's a really lively cocktail bar with really cool outdoor parties, and that's connected to the Freehand Hostel, which is a great place to stay if, you know, if you don't have like the high budget yeah um and then recover (laughs) because (laughs) if you're in Miami you definitely need to recover some (laughs) some mornings um Pura Vida is really cool spot it's um really nice environment and you can have 
these amazing smoothies. They're quite expensive, but again, that's probably the exchange rate. And probably um, cheaper than a cocktail, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And they have an amazing peanut butter acai bowl, acai, oh, acai. Nice. Yeah, um, that's really delicious. And then finally, Yardbird was recommended to us by every local we spoke to for its like really buzzy atmosphere and southern style comfort food. And we had some really good fried chicken there. (laughs) (laughs) They do do really good fried chicken in Miami, don't they? There's often a bit of a kind of Cuban twist on that too. Absolutely, yeah. Um, So just on that kind of affordability note, do you need to be an A-lister to be able to stay on South Beach or is it possible to do it on a smaller budget? Oh, but you, but you said the hostel was on South Beach. That's yeah, right. that's yeah. a little, it's not exactly on the, on the ocean front, but it's set back a little mm. bit. Um, it's not the best, most prettiest location because it's kind of between two large roads, but it's definitely, it's got a lovely little garden. Yeah. So, and you can make the most of it. But um I'm not an A-lister and <laughs> and I, I've i stayed there a few times. And um, I do think the Delano is worth it for the access to, to one of the best, it must be one of the best uh, backyards in Miami. And it's because it's got lots of mismatched Alice in Wonderland style furniture and it's just fab. Um, and there's the also the new-ish eco chic one hotel south beach which is really luxurious and stylish but also has a much more modern pad back approach with a living plant wall which is really cool and organic farm to table dining that is definitely on the top end of the budget so if you're wanting to splash out but it is possible to do it on a smaller budget and we stayed in a really cute place called sense beach house and that was just off the seafront so really good location and rooms are like pretty basic but they're bright light and like they're really well cared for so um they have everything you need really and they've got a little small but nice rooftop pool so yeah (laughs) and also if you're out enjoying all this food you're not there Long. Exactly. You just want it to be clean and safe, really, yeah, don't you? Exactly. Um, well, thank you very much. You know, at this time of year, it's so nice to mentally escape to the sunshine for a mm, moment. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, if anyone wants to read more about Alex's trip, you can read her foodie guide to Miami on Olive's website now or grab a copy of the March issue for her Insta travel feature about the city. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, it's Janine here, and my guest this week will be familiar to um, old listeners or original listeners of the podcast because I've got Anna Glover. Hi, Anna. Hello, how are um, you? I'm good. <laughs> and you might remember that Anna used to work for us on Olive yep. Magazine. She was our cuckoo writer and created hundreds and hundreds of brilliant recipes for us. And she's back again in the what? March issue. Um, Anna left to um, to go onto another magazine and then she went freelance and wrote recipes for us and now she's working for our sister magazine BBC Good Food so I'm happy enough to have her like just sitting across from me in the office which is brilliant yeah it's great Um, to be back in the office yeah and in the March issue she's writing about one of our favorite subjects beer yeah because me and Anna are the um (laughs) the pint drinkers we are we're the pint drinkers on the team yeah um but yeah so where did you get the idea from of sort of I mean do you cook with beer a lot I do at home yeah, yeah. um I get really excited going into the uh, into like a supermarket or yeah. going into a beer shop and having a look at all of the first of all the labels <laughs> like just completely entice me I love that yeah and um I've always bought maybe like a few different beers to try and to try of yeah very I'm probably more experimental with beer than I am with with wine yeah because 
you know, there's so much versatility in there and they've all got like different, you can drink them at loads of different occasions as well. Yeah. So there's like a lunchtime beer and then you could even have or like, like a session. Yeah, beer. exactly. I sort of, I, I fell in love with beer, you know, um, and cooking with it as well. I started to experiment with maybe some of the beers that were a bit punchier, maybe like not, you know, or... Um, like more flex. I was going to say, because there's some beers out there which are like, for me, almost too strong to drink yeah, with. exactly. You know, I'm yeah. talking about like the 9% stouts and stuff. Totally. I feel I feel a little bit like, wow, that's... Because I'm a bit of a chugger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love like a really cool frosty pint of pale ale. Yeah you know, at about 4%, but you can't, that's not like a session beer, is it? Like, I mean, no, that, that exactly. is a session beer, but then the stuff we're talking about, the really, the really high stuff. Yeah. Is a lot more complex as well. So I guess it's Definitely. got those flavours in there. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, we've, I've got some family in Belgium. So we oh, went nice. on like a bit of a Belgian beer tour. Yeah. Um, and that's where we've kind of discovered these kind of sweet, very sort of fragrant, but very, very strong beers. Yeah. And I sort of started to think about ways I could use that in mm. cooking. And also because of the carbonation as well, it gives like a really nice lightness to cakes. And I use them in cakes. Yeah. So you wow. could do like the classic one is like a, you know, like a Guinness cake. Guinness cake, yeah. Yeah. But, that with um, chocolate. It'd be really nice to do like a steamed sponge with yeah. an ale that would be you know delicious because it gives them. you that little bit of a yeah. lift as yeah. well um so then I started thinking about uh classic mussels traditional mussels mm. and actually pairing those with the beer that I was drinking with the mussels and yeah. putting it in the dish because that's and one so, of the recipes you've got isn't it the Belgian beer mussels yeah yeah exactly and you've used a, a trappist beer on there because you say the trappist beers are malty and yeah. usually a bit sweeter so you can see that it's got that you know, um, affinity with like seafood and yes. just bringing that nice kind of lightness to the sauce. Yeah, it really, it works well with cream as well, because I have found maybe some of the more complicated beers do get a little bit bitter when bitter, you, when yeah. you overcook them, but something like, like flash steamed mussels, mm. you still get all of the complexity of the flavors and then the cream sort of like cuts through the bitterness slightly. So it's a really nice. Do you think the bitterness comes from, cause I was going to ask you about that, like, cause that's one of the pitfalls for me is I've made I've made stews with beer before and found that if they're not really really slow cook, if it, if it's like a halfway house, you you do tend to get like a bitter edge to the sauce. Yeah, it's almost like you either give them a little bit of cooking yeah. or a really really long and, and then slow that sort of kills it off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about one of the slow cook ones you got yeah. because you're using my hometown, Newcastle Brown Ale. Yes. Which I Old once, favorite. Yeah, I, when I was a student, I spent a summer drinking um, brown ale or dog, as we call it, and yeah. I got really fat. <laughs> Makes you really fat, don't, does don't, it? Yeah. It's, okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe I was just drinking a lot of it, but um, yeah, I I don't know. I just really um, I was really into it, like drinking it. Um, the classic way to drink it is ice cold, yeah. and then you drink it out of a half glass. Basically. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> we would drink it straight from the bottle. Oh, <laughs> but the, so it's obviously like a very, very classic, yeah. traditional. doesn't uh-huh. have that. It's not a very com- complex beer. It's very no. much a staple. But what it does work really well with is slow cooked, yeah. you know, slow cooked meats. Um, so you've got a recipe for, um, it's like slow cooked brisket, isn't it? Yes. Sandwich. Yeah. And it's literally just slow cooked for hours. 
in with onions and oh, so um, good. I'm starving now. Yeah. It's breakfast time in the office. Um, and then it kind of makes its own little gravy that you can yeah. then because I love that. There's like there's also a big tradition up north for like dipped sandwiches exactly. as well. I know the Americans do it, but we do it. Um, as Great well. gravy in a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like you get your you get your nice crusty roll or your soft roll stuff your um brisket and onions inside it and then just like spoon over enough yeah. gravy just to like moisten the sandwich so good starving now yeah another one I wanted to talk about um because again I think this uses a um a Belgian beer is the beer the aptly named beer bacue ribs yes yeah so tell us about the fruit beers so they're really they're really great if you're not a massive beer drinker mm. if you want to sort of get into trying a few beers they are absolutely dish- delicious they're kind of like a sweet sour no yeah, it's good it, you, it's not like I know people would because my mom is she's a big fan of a fruity cider but I was like try a cherry beer because yeah. it's not it's not like sweet sweet it's got that edge to it that yeah. sour edge as well hasn't it yeah. which is really lovely so it's really like ad- addictive that that yeah. sort of like sweet sour flavor and also you get loads of different types so we've used cherry in here I thought it'd be really nice sort of with the like barbecue sauce mm. and when it's cooked for a long time in the sauce you get really really nice malty fruity flavors that complement the because you double cook it sauce. don't you you like poach the ribs first of all in in the cherry yeah beer. so you really get that sort of like sweet and tangy flavor into yeah. the meat and then you and actually we the flavour comes through so well. Like yeah. that cherry flavour comes through incredibly well. So so that that's a great one. We were talking about lightness. So, mm. so beer batter is a yes. classic, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it would be really nice to do. I was thinking of like tempura you would use, like sparkling water yeah. or, um, or beer batter for fish for and chips. For fish and chips, yeah. And then I was thinking, what about using like an Indian pale ale for a oh, pakora? Nice, nice match, yeah. Yeah, so it's sort of been done before using sort of the carbonation to bring a lightness to the dish but yeah. also the flavor in an ipa would really complement sort of yeah. like because they are quite strong flavors they're very like fruity and hot, you know like uh, floral, floral as yeah. well it's got that floral flavor and isn't it? maybe a little bit sharp as well yeah. which would go really nicely with the chili um and the vegetables in there and yeah. that is a that's a gorgeous like um pakora that has um a lovely sort of zingy coriander dip with it as well yeah. so it's just like everything together that with a glass of ice cold ipa would be delicious yeah so then lastly one of my favorite ones and the one on the day of the shoot that literally was like a plague of locusts descending <laughs> on the roasting tray is um your rabbit roasty yes. so rabbit to me is one of the classic recipes where you use beer isn't it yeah yeah it so, was quite a traditional thing to use like a stout in yeah. the or like a brown ale yeah um and you mash it with uh lots of cheese and mustard. mustard it sounds mad it sounds a bit mad like mashing beer with cheese or whatever yeah. but it, it works really yeah. well it's got that really umami flavor it's very yeah. re- super savory um and really like addictive yeah. you know you really want to like and cheesiness as well yeah. gooey cheese so what tell, can you go wrong tell us yeah. how you've taken that to the next level um, <laughs> I'm like <Glover>, evil genius <laughs> so I might have made some really really crispy delicious roast potatoes yeah. and then baked some lovely rabbit mixture <laughs> on the top so I think yeah I don't know how this came up but I just <laughs> yeah it's like the perfect soft crispiness yeah. um yeah 
They'd I was going to say it'd be good on the side of a roast dinner, but actually we just, we just ate them. I mean, they were just yeah. so good. It's one of those things that you could do for like, if you had loads of mates coming over to watch something like a match or the Eurovision yeah. Song Contest, because that's coming up soon, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I'm a secret fan. Um, <laughs> A brilliant kind of crowd pleaser. Yeah, because, definitely. Yeah, Every yeah they, yeah, they went down pretty well when I and was And the nice testing. thing about all of these recipes are that the beer that you cook with, you would be absolutely, it would be brilliant to drink with them as well. And that's yes. what I think is a nice thing. It's like a proper like little 360 recipe where cook cook with a little bit of it and have the rest on the side. So thank you so much for coming to chat oh, to us today. Um, you can find all these recipes in the March issue of Olive, which is out on the newsstands this week. So exciting. Lovely to speak to you again, Anna. Thank you. So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you like this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can pick up a copy of our brand new March issue with all of those brilliant beer recipes on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat. <laughs>